Hello and welcome to another episode of Songs from the 70s with Gary and Rob Bob. here at the Woeful Winchester building. I don't know why I'm talking like this <laughs> in the downtown metropolis area. I think it's because uh, something you did drove you mad. Uh, yes, I am right now totally mad. <laughs> And we have a couple of surprises for everybody on this episode, including us. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sounding like I am quite mad, but the but the music we had to review this week has made me a little bit discombobulated. I didn't know what the surprises are, so I'm excited now. Oh, yeah, what are you going to hear? Because we already did one of the surprises this week, which is, the first is that today is one of our first of two episodes oh. that reviews... Uh, M.O.R. music, yeah, which is... stands for Middle of the Road or Crapola, depending on how you interpret it. Middle of the Road was not a place anyone I knew ever went. Oh, but a lot of people did in the 70s. Yeah, but they were like adults or grups, as we called them. Or pod people from Invasion <laughs> of the Body Snatchers. They were more concerned with using that music to fit in. Then they were ever listening to it because they enjoyed it. You got that new record by the Carpenters? Yes, you. <laughs> <laughs> it is very good. It does not offend me in any way. It is both emotionless and nice. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> well, we're not doing the Carpenters. We will at some point, but we're not doing the Carpenters in the next couple of weeks. Uh, today we'll be reviewing Captain and Tennille's 1976 album, Song for Joy. And I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give the review away. But this idea that we had, I mean, we we, we said at the beginning of the very first episode that we were, we were going to cover gonna, all yeah, forms of nobody, music. Nobody was safe. No, nobody was safe. And it, it turned out that we weren't safe because <laughs> this was not a good idea Never. for our mental health. If we had something <laughs> come back and... Bite us so hard yeah. in a place we didn't want to be bit. That I can't put it any better than that. Uh, the joke was on us, but we don't want to give away our review at the end. No, but let's just say again, the joke was on us. <laughs> and that makes it extra good. <laughs> so uh, we'll be looking forward to that. That's our first announcement. So people can either tune in this week. Or next week. It'll be funny at least. If you don't like the records, at least it will be funny. Yeah, I mean, uh, I went through my life thinking, I'm never going to listen to a Captain and Danielle album. And I, I, I felt safe. I was a thing I thought I'd never do, but then I did it this week. Well, I, I sent you a... It was I, an adventure. I sent you a, an email uh, this past week saying that I felt that I was turning insane. Yeah. Yeah, remember that? <laughs> you know what? But we don't, we don't want to give a hint <laughs> as to how we're reviewing the album this week. Because uh, no hints. It's all a surprise. Second big announcement this week, and even bigger, well, anything's bigger than doing MOR music, is uh, we have Uptown Mike back as producer of the show. Boo. Yeah, it's, it's a... I do my own sound effects. It's, we have a 50% yeah, say I'll let yay. you know how much of a job Uptown Mike is doing. <laughs> Uptown Mike won't even do these special effects. Uh, let's just say some people are happy about this news and others. And there are other people who are upset about this, like me. <laughs> I feel 
that uh, it had to be done because uh, when we put Uptown Mike on, when we moved him, Rob, as you remember, we moved him to the website. And as hard yeah. as it is to believe, he did a worse job on the website than he did as producer of the show. So then where do you put him after that? Yeah. We don't we don't have like another uh, head office that we can send him to 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 work in some other department and not think about him anymore. We either had to put him back on the show or tell him to live on the street. So we said, what the hell? Come back on the show. Maybe you'll do better, but probably not. Is yeah, that, I mean, uh, he seemed to be popular with the email crowd. He got all the emails, and yet he did. He, You don't understand, people, how bad a job he did and is probably going to do in the future. And yet all you gremlins keep on writing your emails about him. Like, don't. Like, don't encourage him to do a bad job because it makes our job even more What's the word? More, I was going to say more tougher, but I don't know if that's not more good English. Difficultish. Difficultish. I think yeah. better English, yeah. Yeah, no, they, 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 they didn't do a great job on the website. And I, I only give that review because uh, I'm looking, I can see the show, I can play back the show, I know the show exists. I haven't seen the website yet. No, I, I, I refuse to look at the website because uh, I just feel that it's going to be a disaster. Because I'm telling Mike as a person. Is kind of a disaster, especially that haircut. Oh, Last so time I talked to him, he said the, the website would be super duper. Last time you talked to Mike, he's producing your show tonight. What do you mean the last time you talked? Oh, the last time you talked to him about the website. Did the previous time, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, oh, we told him he had to control his drug habit because uh, he couldn't do drugs yeah. on the show. And by drugs, we don't mean recreational drugs. We're talking about the hardcore stuff he's into. The horse tranquilizers? The horse tranquilizers, which kind of paralyzed him into not showing up most of the time. And when he did, he thought that the knobs and everything yeah, were uh, I could, outer space controls. I could kind of deal with the highness a bit because uh, he kind of kept to himself there. But the drool. <laughs> You ever clean that up off a mixing board <laughs> there was there well, I was guess, a lot of i guess drool. this channel and this channel are permanently out of action who had the joke oh it was howard stern howard stern <laughs> howard stern had the joke at the at the rock and roll hall of fame awards this year when he was inducting bon jovi no jokes uh but he was he had the funniest line because bon jovi started his career as a janitor at the record plant in New York City, and Howard Stern had the funny joke is that is that he started he ended up being one of the biggest rock stars in the world, and yet he started up cleaning the jizz off <laughs> off and jizz and cocaine off all the record plant boards. <laughs> and yes. That was the sim. He called it Harry Chapin's jizz. Oh man, you really paid your dues <laughs> when you're cleaning Harry Chapin's jizz off the control board. <laughs> that would just make me want to be a rock star so someone could clean my jizz off the control board. You know you made it. Yeah. You know? uh, I mean, uh, I got to clean it off myself, so I know I haven't made it yet. Well, you have to clean it off yourself. You get it on yourself all the time? If the keyboard's too far away, yeah. <laughs> you, like to, you like to spray the keyboard. This is getting really not like kids. Ah, but that's the third kids. announcement. 
which is another surprise you didn't know about. Yeah, you're not in the script. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a surprise. But you didn't know about script. it. Okay. Don't tell, don't tell me you're no, pregnant. Don't tell me you're pregnant. I have just one thing to say. Booger. That's it. Booger. See, this is why you don't get a segment on the show. You know why? This is show 15. I'm allowed to say that now. Well, you can say it. It's, it's about as funny as it was on if you said it in show two as it is now. I guess the point I'm trying to make is the language restrictions have been lifted. We can now speak freely. You know, sometimes you're smarter than I am. Like uh, way ahead. <laughs> I forgot to mention, and Rob, Rob is Once again, he's second banana for a reason. Booger. There See? We go. Oh, I felt good. You think he doesn't know what he's talking about, <laughs> and this is the show that we have lifted our uh, language restrictions to use any words we like because it's so difficult for us <laughs> to censor ourselves yeah. into talking like regular human beings. Tried it for a while. Uh, Which is why I guess we use the words uh, jizz yeah. and jizz. Uh-huh. Jizz <laughs> came out tonight? We would have been thrown off the air. Just last week. We probably would have said more something politically correct than Harry Japen did a very nice ejaculation on the control board. I would have said the bodily fluids because that's so unspecific. Oh, that's better. That could be earwax. You don't know. I would have thought earwax actually. Yeah, right. bodily fluids. <laughs> Cleaning his ears while he's listening to the mix. Ooh. Um, did he cry? <laughs> no, you know what? You know what Uptown Mike did though? The no. first thing that Uptown Mike did as producer was to get us a new sponsor for this week's show. And he did something? Well, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> he probably was on Coke and had some inspiration one night at two o'clock in the morning and said, This is a good idea. And that ain't going to happen for another two months. But tonight, he has a new sponsor for the show. So we're going to hear a message. From the Butcher Brothers Recording Studio. Hi, everybody. This is Stu. But you can call me the Stu, sir. And this is my brother. Not by blood. Blair! Hi. And we are the Butcher Brothers, and we have the best, most up-to-date recording studio in the city, so we can turn your artsy-fartsy, overcomplicated piece of musical crap into commercial gold. Right, Blair? We will make you... A big pop music type star. How do we do that, you ask? We cut your songs from seven minutes down to four, from six minutes down to three, from five minutes to two, or even four minutes down to a 30-second radio jingle. Cut, cut, cut. Yes, sirree, that's what we do. Remember the Butcher Brothers recording studios down by the Longview shopping mall over from 16th Street? And if you want to take the shortcut to save time getting there, we completely endorse that idea. Hey, brother! Uh, sure do. Yeah, thank you, Butcher Brothers. That was interesting. I have a feeling to like say e the very least. evil has touched me. <laughs> there, I feel that we just listened to evil, didn't you? <laughs> I guess anybody that cuts music, uh, <laughs> cuts somebody else's music into half, would be considered evil. But you know what? We don't want it. We also don't want to upset our sponsor, who we completely endorse, because he's paying. They're paying the money. So. Okay. Well. I'll take money from evil. All right. 
Butcher Brothers. Yeah, feels good. I guess I don't know if the well, I hope the Butcher Brothers will be back for more because we just called it evil. But maybe they like it. Mm. I don't know. I'm no soothsayer. It's freedom of speech mm. day. No consequences. Isn't that what it means? It's freedom of speech day. It's always freedom of speech day here, except except before we couldn't actually say the words we wanted to. But yeah. now we can actually say the words we want to. But we've always said what the hell we wanted. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. not because we didn't have the freedom. It's just because we chose not to. But we I chose. felt like we didn't have the freedom. It wasn't that we were censored. We self-censored. Yeah, that's... It's like getting self-centered in like a yoga place, isn't it? Oh, I feel centered. <laughs> self-centered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? I hate to say this, Rob. And I... It's that you know. It's just. It's just that it's email time. You like email. I like email. We all love. like email. I love email. Oh, I, I. You know what? I crave it. Sometimes some people crave like chocolate in the middle of the night. I crave reading email. This is our contact with the outside world. It's our. It's our only contact with actual people other than email. Yeah, we don't even have to be there or see them. That's the best kind of contact. Isn't oh, it? I know. Imagine if we had to talk to these people like on the phone or even in person. Wow. Oh, what greetings. <laughs> Anyways, fans, <laughs> this email, this week's email, you know, we love you people. Uh, this week's email is from Desmond Delacroix. Good name, Desmond. Uh, sorry. I just made fun of a guy who wrote in an email. Isn't that cruel? By the way, like, obla di bla da, Desmond. Because <laughs> I hope he gets that, because Desmond was the main character in obla di obla da. But anyways. Um, Delacroix is pretty cruel. Cruel or cool? I was going to change it to cool, but... Okay. Desmond, you have a cool name. What, what the fuck? I so this know. week's email <laughs> is from Desmond Delacroix of very cool New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, have you been in New Orleans, Rob? Uh, well, I was there once during the flood, and uh, I did a bit of looting. I got shot at by what, some people. What what was that flood? Oh, um, apparently a glacier melted somewhere. And <laughs> a whole bunch of water came down. and uh, You know, there was a lot of heartache and pain during Hurricane Katrina. And for you to pretend that you were there just for the sake of sounding impressive to all your male fans in prison does <laughs> not does not endear you to the other people who are listening. Thank you. Hurricane Katrina? <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> Rob has bad long-term memory. So, uh, oh, Rob, do you want to read this uh, beautiful email written to us by our top fan, Desmond? I will read it because I have an excellent orating voice. That's what she said. Here's the email. Is Rob going to do those lame impressions at the end of each show? Because not only is it not funny, but it smells like a bunch of chickens who ate baked beans for three straight days. Well, that's a good question, to be honest with you. I thought I made fun of Desmond before because of his name, and I shouldn't have. But Desmond, that's a hell of a question. Even though I haven't talked to Rob about this, the opinion is uh, of you is tame compared to the other emails we have received from people who so hate that segment that the uh, death threats 
which Rob has not seen, have arrived in our emails because we have not shown them to him. That's how hated his impression segment is. Um, I, I hate to get into this because it's personal, but there are some people who are actually questioning his sexuality just because of that one segment. That's always going to happen there. But as far as I'm not liking the segment, that's, I think, the strong point of the show. And I put a lot of work into that. And... <laughs> you, would you say it's the strongest point of the show? One of them. <laughs> Even though you've gotten death threats? <laughs> I'm getting a reaction from the audience. So what's your call then? Because really, it's your segment. Do you want to keep on, even though even though people hate it, do you want to still do the impression? I just started getting good at it. Okay, we're we're gonna against everybody's better judgment. We're gonna not today oh. because because we don't have one ready for today. Oh. But we will be doing keep on doing the impressions. Uh, I can get them ready pretty quickly. Yeah. Next you know, show. If it starts to get personal on me because I'm letting this thing go on. I'm going to have to uh, do something about it. Okay. I just wanted you to know that because uh, people really hate that segment. I mean, with with, with the kind of... You know, I, I think it's a matter of taste. I think uh, the people who really like it, the people I'm reaching, they're just not the, the email kind of people. That's what I think. I mean, they don't have, they, these are the people who don't know how to work a computer, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you gone out and checked the mailbox? <laughs> For paper mail, <laughs> you haven't. Yeah, they can't work a computer, and I'm surprised that they can uh, actually put an address on a on a envelope. But uh, thanks for your email, Desmondo. Hey, can I call you Desmondo? If if I get to call him Desmondo, we could be buddies. <laughs> I got some things I want to call. This show's going off the rails. I'm really crazy because this past week. Of listening to the album we're reviewing has made me a little bit wacky. So if this show seems to be going off the rails, it is. Next week's show will be the same until sanity <laughs> is preserved for three weeks from now. But we also don't want to give away our opinion of the upcoming album we're about to. We shall return to normality in three weeks. Thank you. <laughs> It'll be more structured, and it will. There won't be as many goof ups because. We're just, we're just, again, we're discombobulated. Yeah, this was not something I expected. No, it was, it was like a shock to the system. It was like getting like uh, a virus that you didn't expect to get, and you thought that uh, maybe there's an antidote, and you find out there's no antidote, so you search all around town for an antidote, and the only antidote they say is to take the virus again. <laughs> <laughs> you need a stronger virus to kill that first virus. <laughs> yeah, it's the old uh, get the cat, eat the mouse, get the mongoose, eat the snake kind of thing. Yeah, but well, we don't want to give away how we feel about the album yet, because we don't have to review it. No, no. I hope we haven't. I don't think we have. So, All I'll say is that it came as a surprise, and it was a thing I thought I'd never do. Yeah, suicide's a it's a it's a it's a permanent solution to a one week problem of listening to Captain Antonio. Yeah, so. but I'm like, no, 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 save it for the review. Save it. Oh, I, I was oh, gonna, I give away too much. I I was gonna get going there, but I have to, I got to step back. I got to. I guess back. maybe You're getting I, me going. I was trying to hide my feeling. Maybe I let it go a little bit there. If you got some non-review stuff to talk about, let's hear it. Okay. So thanks for your email, Desmondo. 
<laughs> Should not call him Desmond. He'd be very upset. Uh, we do not have any rice cakes left. We're out of our free rice cakes. But you know what? This is what we're going to do. We are going to go to the store and we are going to buy you a package of rice cakes and send it to you personally because we don't know what other kind of gifts we can send at the moment. We're going to come up with something, but we don't know what it is yet. And if that doesn't work, I have a backup recipe. We can make our own. Oh, rice cakes with a little extra kick. So, um, <laughs> and also, uh, oh yeah, I did talk about on the last show that we were going to have a contest. And we still will. I don't know when it's going to be. Because we have ideas. That's the problem with sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob. Is that we have ideas. But to actually put them into reality takes a lot of time and energy oh, yeah, that yeah. we don't seem to want to spend. So Life is short. Yeah, life is short. We're out there. We're out there at at uh, places feeding the poor, busting our humps, uh, and and busting humps. <laughs> and we don't have time right now to worry about this. But we will. There will be a, a contest that maybe even next week. No, we're going to do it when I'm feeling better, which will be after this coming mor thing is over with. And then I'd show 17, we will have in place the the pieces for a contest. What the prize is, we don't know yet. It may be a date with a hen. But, but you don't want that. But it that what is is what it means. <laughs> I, I know which is the single one. <laughs> I I know you speak the truth. There's only one single one, and that's the one you don't want to date. <laughs> You speak a little bit of the truth. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, and I will get in trouble for what I just said, but it was the truth. So you can't um, hold us accountable. No, no. A, a, so we have lawyers. People, we have lawyers. People we listened to the captain and to Neil this week. Any judge in his right mind will let us know. You know, people. No matter should, what, our... we should send in money just for what we had to go through this week. But we don't. <laughs> we don't want to give away our our reviewing because it's. Well, we said we were going to do this. Yeah. And we have to, and we said we're we going to do it next week too. Thanks. And I tell you, next week <laughs> is, if not only not better, it may be even worse. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta think more about the the things we do in the future. <laughs> yes, uh, some of the promises we make on the air is uh, we will have a meeting. We're not going full blown Tom Green, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is that? Oh yeah, I want to give the address to the emails, which is. Sounds from the 70s at gmail.com. Usually Rob reminds me because oh, yeah, every yeah, week yeah. I forget, but I actually wrote it down this well, week. I'm shocked we have an email. Address. I'm going to say it again. Sounds from the 70s at gmail.com. Let us know. Uh, give us your questions. Let us know how would you think. Let us know, especially what you think of Rob's, frogs, Rob's impression segment. Uh, and if you say no, we don't like it, please write in. And if you know how to work computer, oh, then say I'm yes, you do like it. For those people who like it and uh, choose to remain silent, keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on trucking, as they used to say in the 70s. Yeah, keep on trucking. When you heard that, uh, you knew someone was trying to blow you off. Someone's trying to blow you? Off. Oh. <laughs> Is that the same thing? <laughs> Is that the same thing? Nah. Oh, you just blew me off. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so, on that note, uh, which is a nice segue... Yeah.
to in me. a way because we feel we've been blowed up this week real good <laughs> <laughs> to our review of Captain Antoniel's album, which is an oxymoron called Song of Joy. <laughs> um, uh, please, sir, just the facts for now. There were, so here's the background <laughs> before we tell you how we feel about the album. I hope we haven't given anything away. But... Okay, so I don't even, you know, I don't even feel, this is the first week I don't even feel like giving the background <laughs> because I'm so disheartened that that we got stuck in our in our own promise of, I mean, it shouldn't have been every form yeah. of music. I guess, I guess we're being fair to every form of music we can, but, but is this music? Sorry, I'm giving it, ah, okay. Wouldn't the background have been so much easier to do before listening to the album? Yeah, well, I did, but it took away all my spirit for doing uh. it. So, anyway, but there is a little bit of a cool background in that um, the start of their careers, not as Captain Tenille, but as musicians, was a lot cooler than how they ended up, which is that Tony Tenille, uh sang in a rock group, of all things. Yes, she has heard the word rock and roll before. She was in hippie stuff. I yeah, remember. she was. Uh, and uh, she actually uh, played keyboards with the Beach Boys. And I think most people know that Dale Dragon played Who's the Captain. Yeah. Uh, and they also played keyboards in the in the Beach Boys before Captain and Tennille. And they had met before that. And that he got her on there and whatever. See, I don't, I don't have much spirit, but I'm trying, people. And so <laughs> they that was like the early 70s, and then they decided there is one interesting point which I want to get to. Probably the only interesting point I'm going to say from now on until the end of the show. But anyways, they got together, and then they decided, you know, they were living together, and they decided, well, you know, we're uh, both we, musicians. We both musicians uh, Tony Tennille actually was the one thing I, I found out this week. She was actually mostly the songwriter, um, which I was surprised. I thought the captain was the musical yeah. thing, and she was just a singer, which is actually not true. And... It's not true. Uh, but not that he didn't contribute musically, but when he did, it sucked balls. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but she actually was the, the songwriter. If you wanted a quirky keyboard instrumental, look to the captain, because he knew what to do. But the actual songwriting of actual lyrics and good tunes was actually done by uh, Tony Tennille. So they got together. They recorded their first album, Love Will Keep Us Together. And then they were told by the record company, this is the only interesting thing that I, I found in this, okay, yeah. is that they were told by the record company, because it was 1975, to get married and to get married now. Because because of the type of music they were playing and that they were living together, that was forbidden at that time. That's right. I remember watching Three's Company and uh, how much uh, trouble Jack would have gotten into if uh, Mr. Roper found out he wasn't gay. And uh, I thought that was funny at the time because nobody behaves like that. It nowadays. wasn't really funny 214 episodes uh, in <laughs> because it Beating seemed the same to regurg regurgitate week after week. If it were not for his physical comedy, uh, that wouldn't have lasted uh, it wouldn't episodes. have lasted the original 12 episode order, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I found that interesting that they actually had to get married. And also because Tony Tennille's family, she didn't want her family to find out 
which they would have if they when they if they were popular. Right. It was a very different time. So I found that interesting that they actually. I thought that they were married like years before their first album, but they actually didn't get married until after their first album. They were it became popular, and because you know they were kind of like ordered to get married. Not that they didn't want to. Yeah, they were. They were a couple. They they? were a couple. They were a couple, and this is the sad part because let's skip ahead past all the music because I don't really want to. This is one of the least interesting backgrounds, if not the least interesting background we have done so far. But unfortunately, and I do, I do mean this. Unfortunately, they did get divorced uh, a couple of years ago, 2015, I think, or something like that. And uh, they're still very good friends, but uh, there was just, you know, things happen. Whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in a. I don't mean they're divorced in any sort of spiteful way. I always thought they'd be together forever because Captain and Tennille. I do have to bring this point up though. Uh, people listen to me <laughs> now before we review the album oh i was supposed to do the songs i was supposed to have the songs here i don't have the songs here Rob. that was my boo-boo that, that's my disinterest okay a bunch on that, yeah that uh, will telegram uh, that, got sent that will help me because i wanted to do that but uh sorry for the interruption rob interrupted me by by throwing the song titles at me yeah i'm gonna keep doing that because uh, that's what a banana does let me if, if you weren't there at that time in the 70s like me and rob were captain and Tennille, like they had their own they had yeah. first of all, they had their own show for like six months and you have to remember that everybody that was musical seemed to have a variety show because there was a divide do people know what a variety show is nowadays? no we haven't seen them since the 70s. We haven't seen them since the 70s or at the very latest, the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And But Variety Show, if you became popular and you were somewhat of a musician, they tried to make you into a comedian and a dancer. And, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. Had, special they had all guest these stars. Special guest stars. Oh, no. Uh, I think Roy Clark, he lived at that Osmond show. Yeah. <laughs> he lived at the Osmond show. He it, slept... his, it was his career thing. He was. slept in the hay bales. <laughs> And so I never watched, I don't know how, I, I was young, but I, I just remember I'd watch five minutes of it and then I'd turn it off because it was shit. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, it was like let, variety shows by people who shouldn't do variety shows. Tony Tonino, she would come out and host it. And, you know, classy lady, great voice. And the captain, he was just back behind the keyboards, and I don't recall him saying anything. No, he didn't. Ever. He did a pen and teller type of thing. Yeah. And it didn't work. And uh, he was just back there with the sunglasses and the captain's hat. Yeah. I kind of thought that was cool, but eventually you're like, uh, that was their whole shtick. Yeah, that was the whole shtick. Yeah. And Tony Tennille, you know, I I really like Tony Tennille. First of all, she was really pretty, and she could sing. She's got pipes. She's got pipes. She can sing. And I did really like, and she did have uh, a television presence when she was on. But I don't know. There was, what I'm trying to say is that there was a cultural divide in the 70s that we we were just starting to get away from the old guard, which was all the guests and the variety shows that were on The Tonight Show. You know, like uh, the perennials who were there. Being yes, there for a uh, long the time. the old guard and the new guard, which was uh, not accepted. I mean, it took uh, twenty years or so for 
for rock and roll to come into the mainstream and it was starting to really break in the mid 70s like there was still the sunny and share show which actually i kind of like and there was other shows that again were middle of the ground like sunny and share were uh they had some they had great rock and roll roots as far as they made great records in the 60s but there was that there was that a huge people don't realize if you didn't live in the 70s there was a huge generation cap people over 40 liked their music and people under 40 loved their music and there yeah. was no there was nobody over 40 going to a rock concert at that time it was unspeakable that didn't happen first time i saw somebody yeah. over 40 at a rock concert i went to a neil like... young concert in 1983 and 1984 actually was the first time i actually seen people probably over 35 go to a rock concert that's when you notice that was, in the, yeah, in the early, that was a the shocking 80s. thing at one time it was it was it really was and then things changed and and then rock and roll became used in commercials and it became the mainstream but there was this thing that and i know i'm going on and on about this thing but it's a hell of a lot more interesting than what we're going to talk about <laughs> is that you didn't do a variety show and do hip you did a variety show and did what the older people wanted the people who were uh, not rock and roll fans, but they produced the show and they directed the show and the networks were very old guard. So you got very lame shows, unfortunately, instead of letting the, 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 the rock generation take over, they were saying, you know, the, the public doesn't want the, that rock and roll. You're going to have to tone it down. You're going to have dancers. You're going to have this. And it, it made for, the hip culture to say this is terrible what are you doing like you're just doing this if, if to make to make money and performers the other thing they had to face if they got a big network show they had to deal with producers it mm-hmm. wasn't just like okay we want to do this we wanted no it was like we want you to do this we want you to do this yes we still want you to be yourselves but we want you to be yourselves as we would be if we were you which we are not and you are and when shows uh, were run by younger people or the counterculture like yeah. the smothers brothers show or laughing they canceled it. yeah they canceled it because it was at the time too risque or too political which is what smothers the younger brothers, people were all talking about they had that hippie chick on and um uh, they got kicked off for i think uh, vietnam war comments but i think that was just after a long series of uh Oh, breaking yeah. the rules <laughs> and i couldn't even have uh they had to uh not even have pete seeger on they actually recorded I, i've seen the performance of pete seeger and he did uh on the smothers brothers show and he did waist deep in the big muddy which is pretty much a condemnation of the vietnam war and lyndon johnson and they refused to air it and that's just what the times were in the late 70s late 60s and early 70s is that the the even though the most popular thing in pop culture was rock and roll it did not capture the media yet because the old guard was still yeah, still in control of the medium so i'm not i'm not blaming captain and Tenille, but they made i see many many acts that that we could cover in these two weeks that were not next week's act is another example that we're not going to tell you right now of just acts that did wrong things i think when they had a chance maybe 
to be more artistic, but they decided to go the route of what the people in the older guard told them to do. And uh, because I'm not saying that Captain Antonio was not talented, because when I listened to this album, one of the things I liked, as I said before, was Tony Tennille writing the songs, which I didn't know. Very talented lady. As you said, great set of pipes. And she's a great piano player. I did not know she did I all the piano she... playing, not only on the album, but for Captain, like the, the Captain just did the keyboards. He didn't do the piano playing. And I, I thought her piano playing on this oh. record was really good. So he was mostly just a synth guy. He was mostly just a synth guy. Uh, actually, he was actually the one man, mostly the one man band on this. Uh, he, this is one of the drawbacks. Now we're getting into the album, folks. Song of Joy was released in 1976 and had three big hit singles off it, which we'll get to. I'm, I've, I think I've talked about. I know it's a little bit scattered, but it's our review today. Oh, that's that's my that's my uh, pacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we got a show to do but <laughs> i know art keep in there so it's a little bit scattershot but i'm really not as centered because i'm not really as interested as i usually am every week on this and i wish i was i i really it's our fault really to, no because it's it's the music's fault really. but i wanted to start by saying the good things which was tony Tennille uh actually writes pretty good songs for the songs she wrote 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 and she played piano and there's a couple of songs where she just does play piano um must have been the boogie jam song <laughs> boogie jam song well we're gonna get to some dandy <laughs> but um there's a couple of her just her and the piano and great great pipes not not the kind of pipes that are distinctive like maybe karen carpenter who's one of my favorite vocalists ever but still great voice i just think uh one of the big drawbacks now i'm going to get to the drawbacks because that's about the only good thing i have to really good thing that say about the about the pair is that i think there's a big problem in being having daryl dragon be the one-man band and one thing is the bass uh, he decided to play the bass either on the keyboards, which is fine if you're the doors, because they had a lot of great bass lines that Ray Manzarek would play. Or, but, yeah, but, but their also, bass sounded more like a bass. His bass sounded more like a bass, and plus they did <laughs> use a lot of bass players when they recorded. Uh, I remember had session cats. They had session cats come in and do that. And the bass is almost nil, even when he... Even when he uh, uh, they have a a session player play on one or two songs of bass. It's very much so buried in the mix. It sounds like a one-man band is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think that if a band played on these songs, it would have helped immensely. Um, but making him the keyboard player, pretty much the whole band except for the drums, which was played by the great uh, Hal Blaine of uh, the Wrecking Crew in L.A., uh, this is uh this would have been a mildly better record. There, like I said, I there's a lot of bad choices that I've that I have heard from from acts that would constitute MOR or unhip at the time. One of them is always the album covers, which you embarrassed to, to buy because they're so unhip. 
Oh, yeah, when you see like a big uh, heart and then the smiling person in the middle. You knew that was an album for your sister. Oh, <laughs> on her yeah. birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't be caught dead. I mean, you would have to buy a Rush record and then <laughs> stick the Captain's new record in between, maybe that and a, and a John Lennon record. That would be a funny, and I, funny Then joke. you could somehow... There was a stigma back then. I don't want to get too much off the topic, but there was a stigma about the music you bought. Yeah. And if you've ever seen the movie uh, High, High Fidelity. Have I seen it? I have not seen it. No, I'm just trying to remember if it's High Fidelity, High Infidelity. I can't remember. I think it's High, high Fidelity. With John Cusack. Anyways, they have the great character played by Jack Black who critiques everybody's music as they come up and they say, wow, you want to buy Stevie Wonder? I just called to say I love you. That's bullshit. Buy the older stuff. There is a lot. There was a lot of critiquing. There was. It's not like nowadays where you just, you know, buy something and people go, oh, there you go, sir. You know, we want your business. Back then, you you were looked at if you had a Barry Manilow record, you know, tucked into you or whatever else you were buying. Yeah. So. I only saw albums like that in, in um, Sisters or Mummies uh, collection. Yeah. <laughs> They didn't care about buying that. They were proud of it. Yeah. Uh, so to get to, to get to the album, um, <sighs> I liked. <laughs> I I did like the singles, two of them. The one thing I liked the, the uh, "Lonely Night" "Angel Face." Yeah. What I liked about that, it's a Neil Sedaka written song, and what I liked about that, which I really, I thought it was a very intelligently written song. I really like that uh, Casablanca type, and it's only for one line. You know that 1940s type of musical, "Lonely Nights," and then that's it. And then it goes into boom, boom. I thought that was very smart because they created a whole atmosphere for one line, and then it disappeared into the song, which is a very catchy the song. The arrangements I was expecting to be very static and formulated, and uh, as much as there was a bit of formula to them, uh, they still. Uh, the changes uh, they caught me off guard quite a bit and uh, there was a bit more ranging than i expected on this there was actually a bit more and there was a bit more thought in the singles they gave a lot a lot more thought to yeah. the, to the singles which is unfortunate because you should give a they to be honest with you morx didn't care that much about albums even though they did do very well in the charts the albums that they did make they were very much more singles oriented like the 60s acts were uh, in the early 60s. Yeah, and, uh, an album was just kind of a thing he attached to... Uh, it was product, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, which the the hardcore rock crowd, the hip crowd, was was totally opposite to that. They The album was important, and, even, yeah. and most of them didn't even have singles. Most, of them, we, most yeah. of them didn't even want singles. They'd say, the record company would say, what's the single? And they'd say, I, we don't care, you pick one. <laughs> I listened to a, you know, a song on the radio from a band I liked back then, and I'd want to hear more of them. I'd want to hear the whole album. And uh, a lot of the M.O.R. stuff, I'd hear the song, and uh, as much as I might like the song, it didn't really make me want to go out and buy it and explore and learn more. No. Uh, I, was, I wasn't expecting much, I guess. And that's, uh, that's but with the point. rock bands, I was expecting more. That's a good bet. You got, you got what you paid for with the songs you heard on the radio from a certain artist. Yeah. You know what? You like you were satisfied. You were full when you heard yeah. that, and in a good way. It was, like, it was okay, like that was yeah. good, but uh, unless I hear something else, uh, that's the one hit I'm happy with. Exactly. It's not worth 
$10 of my allowance money to go. Which reminds me, as we say about hits, the second hit from the album. I don't know if it's the second hit. Um, I didn't do as much research as I usually do for this. But I know Shop Around, which I remember being played quite a bit uh, yeah. during that time. I'm actually going to be a little bit sacrilegious here and say that I like this version just as much as the Smokey and the Miracles version. I think this is a great version of that song. It's very up. It's very uh, energetic. I think it's, yeah, I really think it's at, at least just as good as the Smokey Robinson and the Miracles version. Those two Lonely Nights and that song were the uh, the only two I found uh, the... I'd be at work and uh, they'd, I'd start singing them. And I don't know if that was just from this listener. I just, yeah, they were saturated on the radio back then and they got stuck in my head back then. But yeah, a lot of uh, the rest of the album, in fact, uh, none of the other songs, uh, as soon as I was done listening to it, it was out of my head. Yeah. I know, yeah. Uh, and not in a good way. <laughs> sometimes that's that's song, you had to force it out. Sometimes <laughs> there was drastic measures to get it out of the head. Yeah. And the third single that I wanted to talk about, the last one, uh, probably the worst single that I, or one of the worst singles I've ever heard to be actually make the top 10. It's a horrendous piece of drivel called Muskrat Love, which was actually uh, written, written by Willis Ramsey, done at first by America. And I think that's where Kathleen Sneal got their version. Uh, I will savage America sometime in the future. <laughs> but just it's just, for this alone. <laughs> it's a stupid song. It's terrible. It's it's stupid. Did I say it's stupid? Because it's stupid, and it has one of the worst keyboard solos on a hit single ever, where uh, the captain actually makes, trying to make the sound of, of muskrats muskrat. talking, sounds like muskrats farting, and that's a 30-second solo? Yeah. My lord. I saw him do that on the on the show for the first when I first Did you uh, actually see that on the I show? I saw him do that on the show and I was I was amazed. I was like, hey, that doesn't sound like piano. What's it, how's he making those noises? How's he making those farting noises? Is yeah. he actually farting? I didn't know about synthesizers at the time. I'd heard pianos and organs. You probably didn't Maybe even know a about, harpsichord. You probably didn't even know about whoopee cushions at the time. <clears throat> Oh no, I was a teenage boy. I you know I knew. Oh yeah, you know, but we all knew. Yeah, but, uh, it's uh, it does sound like it really. I'm not. I'm not being mean. It actually does sound like animals farting, <laughs> little animals farting, and I it it and it has no imagination. It is really you know. I have never heard a top ten single no, that's that had gotta, a worse solo. You gotta than use your memory. imagination. You gotta imagine the two uh, muskrats. Uh, I do, but then all noises. of a sudden they're farting. They're flatulent. They're, <laughs> they're just a blazing what away. What can you do? <laughs> For thirty seconds, what were they eating that would make little skinny creatures like that <laughs> that gaseous? How could they be that? Yeah, they're just still small things. So. Um, before I hand it over to you completely, I know, I, I, I know, it's just that, you know, you think it'd be a bear or something, and even that's cool. One of my favorite comments, I should save this for the, when we do Grand Funk, but when Dave Marsh commented on Grand Funk Railroad and said that uh, Mel Shacker's uh, always reliant 
buffalo fart bass. <laughs> <laughs> and if you ever listen to Grand Funk Railroad, which you probably shouldn't, uh, Mel Shocker's bass sounds like buffalo farts. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> you've probably never heard of buffalo fart, but somehow you can form a mental picture. <laughs> so there are fart sounds in music, people, if you listen closely enough. Uh, I want to get. I want to get before I give this to Rob to to give his complete opinion. I just want to talk about some of the really bad things on this album. There are a couple of good things. I did like when Tony Tennille just played the piano and sang on a couple of tunes. Not outstanding, there but it did. Like, it didn't yeah. make. It didn't make me. No, nauseous. I was listening. I was thinking. You know, uh, that's very gospel-y or um, uh, yeah, that uh, vein of music. Yes, actually, yeah, I agree. But she does it really well. She's very. She's very syncopated and 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 into the song. And as she's playing it and singing it, she should have. She should have actually. Well, that's not nice. Saying she should have been solo <laughs> she, artist. She got a ditch the captain (laughs) but he was dragging her down i'm telling you she could have done very well on her own but anyways there's a couple of things which 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 stifle the brain this is what we call our segment which we've never had before stifling the brain of how people (laughs) can actually put some songs on a record and say yeah that should go even though it's really sucks ball sack how would you like (laughs) Is going is going bananas, which is an <laughs> instrumental of I think it's ten minutes long or a minute and a half. I don't know, but it's written by Daryl Dragon, the captain, and it's one of the worst pieces of dribble I've ever heard. I can't believe that any piece of music like that would make any album or would even be considered for an outtake. No, you'd think a concept album like Pink Floyd, where they do like a two-minute song, or Tommy, where uh, extra extra read all about it. Maybe they were trying to go for that. No, no, they that wasn't trying to go for that. They, well, they were just trying to fill up the side mm-hmm. of the album in the worst possible way they could think of. Listen, I've got this really, really bad <laughs> keyboard noodling, and I want to put it on the end of the side. Is that okay? The alternative is is, is too horrible to imagine. <laughs> Listen, I got this song, and I think it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope he didn't say that. Maybe it went down like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him the credit enough to say that he didn't say that, because if he did, she should have divorced him a long time ago. I think they might have <laughs> uh, been drinking a bit uh, when he brought it up, and, uh, you know, you, you get a girl to drink some wine, she'll do funny things. Um, another song. I, 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 well, Butterscotch Castle is, is, listen to this song about three times. And each, each time I listened to it, I was thinking, why, why did we do this? Like, I can explain your feelings when it comes to my review. This is starting to hurt a little bit is, is actually what I do. And I'm not going to talk too much about the bad things other than they do an okay version of a song I actually really like, which is the wedding song. Uh, it was written by Paul Stuckey of Peter, Paul, and Mary, and he does a really nice version of just him and the acoustic guitar. It's actually quite beautiful. But this version with with uh, the choir, the and, ah, it doesn't ruin the song, but it is 50% of the power that it should have. And that was also a single, but it didn't do anything. No, so, I think with that wedding song, my theory on that one is uh, you put a song like that on the album, because maybe it'll like uh, start to get played at weddings and like a christmas yeah that's what it sounds like back. that they put it on there and it releases a single so it would get played at weddings that's... which was and it sounded like when paul stuckey did it that it was meant as a 
as not like that because it was just it wasn't done in a commercial way at all it was almost a personal message a personal exactly it was a personal message and this is a this version is a personal message to use this at your wedding (laughs) could you please use this song at your wedding that's just the that's the feeling i got and i got a comment lastly on the last song which is (laughs) god it's so bad 1954 boogie blues which is Were so you boogieing? <laughs> I bet your stomach was boogieing. My stomach was very boogieing. Hey, wait a second. My stomach was boogieing and said, Where's that washroom? <laughs> this might explain mm-hmm. a bit. <laughs> now, there's the term powder blues. There's even a band, Canadian band, called the Powder Blues Band because they made a joke of that their version of blues is very watered down and powdery and soft, and they, they admit it. This is like feather blues. <laughs> this is like it's so light and unbluesy, it's gonna fly away. Oh, look at that feather! Oh, wind! Um, this is terrible. This this is this is this is garbage. This is first of all, they talk about playing the blues like it was 1954, and they mentioned Jerry Lee Lewis and uh, whatever. And Jerry Lee Lewis didn't make records in 1954. He didn't even start till 1956. So, first of all, even the concept is stupid. And then she goes, and then she goes, hey, Captain, why can't everybody, people should play the boogie like the Captain, and he doesn't play any boogie on it. <laughs> it's like she's saying, take it away, Captain, and he decides to play a bunch of chords instead of playing the boogie, like, oh, I'll just play C, D. Like, that's how lame it is. And it's, and the funny thing was that I listened to it and I said this would be probably been a standout number on the show. And by accident, I stumbled upon it on YouTube as a big dance number on the show when they did it. <laughs> I didn't watch it, did but I just it, like, saw the caption. I just saw, I just saw, you know, how they freeze one one frame oh, of it. Yeah, okay. And there was dancers and it said 1954 Boogie Blues on the Captain Antonio show. And I said, that's funny because I just said that that would be one of their insepid pieces on the show that the that the bigwigs would tell them to do. And it's a piece of trash. And it brings, there are some good songs here, but the trash so encompasses and envelops and smells up the good of this album <laughs> that it makes you really not want to listen to anywhere captain and Tennille, no matter how good it may be in the future rob i'm exhausted could you could you talk for a while <laughs> give me my finger <laughs> i can't do my review without my thing he's got his notes i had his notes there for a second <laughs> one of the nicest things uh, if you didn't like a song on this album it wasn't going to last more than three minutes <laughs> Except the boogie song, which is five minutes long. You know, like I say, I do have immense respect for Tony Tennille. Uh, The Captain and Tennille album here, listening to it for the first time, it was like someone stepped on my head and poured syrup into my head (laughs) for 40 minutes. (laughs) No, no, I'm not being mean. I'm getting to a point. <laughs> I seem to have another note here, which I seem to wrote that's, right drunk. That's pretty harsh, but I understand what you're saying. Afterwards, I needed to play some Jethro Tell to get this out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand why 
this did appeal to a large group of people, but it did not appeal to us. A big part of the reason is because we have penises. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying here is most of this album, if not all of it, is designed to evoke an emotion which is not something that men enjoy. It's not something that we find entertaining. I tell people, okay, we're going to a movie. Is this movie going to make me cry? And, uh, you know, sometimes they'll uh, like laugh. And, oh, no, it won't when they know it's a sad movie. And I just, I want to punch them in the face. Because the things that uh, bring out bad feelings in me, that's not entertainment for me. This is entertainment for some people, but is not for a lot of guys. It is uh, too much sap, sentiment, syrup, and sugar all condensed into one thing now can i say something here about what i was saying before doesn't their music sound like what i was saying before about this huge gap which was which was they're they're still in kind of the they're not rock in any but they're but they're pop but they're trying to be um kids pop but still in the old guard. So they're bridging that gap between yeah, the two generations. Fuse the two, but they didn't try hard enough because yeah, like I say, the the couple songs we mentioned. Uh, Lonely Nights and Shop Around. Geez, I like those songs. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> those were the only two that uh, you know had uh, a lot of any pep, any energy. I mean going bananas did, but it was energy in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a poop energy. Geez, I feel like pooping. I felt like I was being hit with a noodle. <laughs> a big noodle. Yeah, a big banana. That's that. <laughs> Maybe that's what he intended to make you feel like you're being hit with a big banana. That's right. And you went bananas while listening to the album. Uh, I'm starting to see a bit more here. Just to, just to make a point, I did have serious doubts. As I told Rob, whether I wanted to continue doing <laughs> these shows just because of this one album. <laughs> I was like, if I have to listen to albums like this for many years to come, then I, this, I don't know. <laughs> this is not uh, going to be fun. <laughs> it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> no, I, 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 I didn't know. Uh, listening to it... Uh, are they being true to themselves uh, musically when they're making this album and uh, completing it? Or I, I, is this like a producer saying, uh, you know, uh, this would be good, this would be good, let's do this. That's the thing that was on my mind that bothered me. That uh, Who's to blame, I guess? Yeah, I, that's what I was wondering too. Because there were bad decisions made. I don't mean bad decisions in a in a um singular context but in a huge context as far as and i think this is what you're getting at, like i said before should have been a band playing instead of a one-man band would have made it a little bit better these songs and uh you know the marketing of it just the whole concept of it was like you said syrupy it was this one emotional response uh sentimental kind of response but it was kind of the entire album had turned it up and concentrated it and boiled off the water 
boiled off the water. I've never I've never uh, heard that expression before. I like that. Yeah, you got some sugar in water. You boil off the water. You got the sugar. Wow. I'm, so I'm told. I've never done it. Really? Yeah, and syrup works the same way. Oh, syrup. We're back to the syrup. <laughs> we're back to the syrup being poured in your ear as you're playing the the album. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an interesting question that came to my mind. If you were in the 70s, uh, you had a girlfriend at the time, and she had this album, and she wanted to play it a lot, how would you deal with it? In the 70s, it was a different time. People called out other people's music so quick. And nowadays, if if uh, like a like if a, a woman you're dating is playing Celine Dion, you say, "Oh, uh, that's not bad." Like you bullshit. Yeah. It's a different time. But back then, people were very adamant, especially if you were a rock person, a serious rock person who thought that rock music was going to change the world and how people think. Yeah, you didn't like have the end of the 60s. a girl is not going to change your opinion. A girl is at that time. Because rock music meant a lot back then. Yeah. If you weren't around back then, we're, we're telling you music and your choice of music meant a lot. Even in rock music, like even if you chose a band that played rock and roll, if they didn't play the kind of rock and roll that you felt was advancing it or was lame. Yeah, what if uh, she's um, a big fan of Three Dog Night? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and now that's a good point. Then you would go, you know what? I, I think this the relationship is not going anywhere, <laughs> and we maybe should take a break. <laughs> because the alternative is to continue to live there, and in, you know, once is not an endurance test. Over and over again, that's an endurance test. That's an that's endurance like test. Uh, that's going to drive you mad. Yeah, this album is slowly dry. This I'm I. I, I thought it sounds me, like I'm joking, but I'm seriously saying that. When you listen to this album two or three times and you don't, luckily yeah. Rob did, but if you don't have any music in between like I didn't, I was seriously doubting my sanity <laughs> and whether I wanted to continue with the show because the syrup was bringing me down big time. Yeah, I view this as, as a bad album for rock fans. Yes, like... This is from our point of view. There yeah. are a lot of people, and this album was huge. Yeah. So I'm not demeaning any one person who bought this album and enjoyed it. We're just saying from our point of view, which is probably completely opposite from what was going on in, in what when people were buying this record. We were the other people. We were the people yeah. that were that were buying Rush records, like we said, and a whole the serious experimental the serious stuff music. coming out. Yes, and... and King Crimson and stuff like we were buying all a bunch of music and listening to all a bunch of music, and this was not. This was seriously dubbed sappy yes. and bad, and that's why this was done with the intention of evoking that one emotion. That's why when when you see WKRP. <clears throat> many times and dr fever is throwing darts at barry manlow uh, <laughs> pictures people would clap in the audience that it was serious business back then like you're making almost a political statement nowadays you know when people make oh, political statements they clap grown up back then rock yeah. and roll and uh you know aside from mor taking a while to not be the the main source there are these other forms of music coming in as well which were threatening raw and you thought it was seriously destroying 
Yeah. What you thought was very serious. You viewed it as a threat. You viewed it as an actual threat, almost like a communist threat. We gotta stand <laughs> together and unite. I feel Johnny's doing the right thing there. How about the rest of this live studio audience? See that? That's the point. It was see, now if you do something like that and throw a picture at like uh, Britney Spears or Ariana Grande, people would be outraged that you. They'd did be that. sending you very angry. Emails. Yes, I mean music is 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 totally different now. And, but it's a, it's a, I mean, we're way over time, people. <laughs> I'm glad that you're hanging in because uh, we will end it in a minute or so. But I, I really like Rob's comments is, is, is that we are making these comments from our point of view. It doesn't yeah. mean we're right. It just means from our point of view, this app, yeah. this music is hard to listen to, but we are making the effort to listen to it because it does deserve to be. Listen, millions of people bought this record. And millions of people bought the three singles that all made the top 20 in the charts, which is not easy to do for anybody. I don't care what music you play. I don't put this music down as music. I put this down from my point of view as I don't want to listen to a lot of this, what I call crap. Yeah. But it's not crap. It's only crap in our opinion. As I mentioned, like I say, I have very much musical respect for Captain and Tennille, but... This is not food that I enjoy eating. I think that's what 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 I meant by wrong decisions. Because I do have a lot. Of, I really have a lot of respect for Tony Tennille. Great voice, great sound, great songwriter. Pink Floyd, The Wall, and the Cool. That's exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. And I do have, just like you said, we have a lot. It's not easy to get a record contract. I don't care what year it is, especially back then. Yeah. And it's not easy to get two, three singles. <laughs> in the top 20 off an album if you think that's easy go back to 1975 and try it you know you you find out that that thousands upon thousands of people tried it and couldn't do it so we're not putting what they're we're not really putting yeah. them down we're just putting that our listening experience to this with our background is not our cup of tea yes <laughs> it's about the most polite way that we can put it I will not bash the Captain and Neil, but as far as uh, what I want to listen to, I will bash this album. Which brings me up to my next and last point. We will be doing this all again next week when we will be reviewing another, uh, reviewing another MOR album, which, uh, I trust me, it may be better. It may be worse, but it <laughs> we don't will know. not be great. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't listened to it we yet. We promise that it probably won't be great because we know <laughs> the artist. And it was actually one of only two picks that Rob has ever made as far as, the, yeah. I'm so, prepared to be pleasantly surprised. In fact, if anybody, this was <laughs> Rob's idea. I hate to throw Rob under the bus, but I was going to do this eventually. And Rob says, why don't we review this album? Which is what we're going to I didn't want to say it at first. I just had that evil smile <laughs> on my face, like, we ought to do it, but And then but I have to admit, I said right away, that sounds good. Let's do this. It sounds like fun. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> we were wrong. So we're gonna do another album next week. I hope you enjoyed the show. And listen, if you like that type of music, this is actually a, a good album to buy. For this type of music, yeah. this is actually one of the better rated albums uh that they've made if not their if not their most accepted album that they've made um and i could see a lot of people liking this album don't not buy it just because we don't like it okay yeah if you got a girlfriend this might be good for her 
Now, if she has tattoos, this is not good for her. If she <laughs> she has, might hurt you. <laughs> if she has stuffed animals in the bedroom, this is good for her. Now, if she has tattoos and stuffed animals. Is this girlfriend like 14 or what? <clears throat> when, when they get to like, uh, you know, uh, mid-20s and they still have the stuffed animals. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I know the type. <laughs> they, they haven't fully grown up, but not in the way that we haven't fully grown yeah. up. <laughs> yes. We're going to stop there for sure because we don't want to get in trouble, but I know what you're talking about. We've grown up in the way of not wanting to be adults, and they've grown up in the way of still wanting to be children. God bless them. That's all I was trying to say. So, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. And adios. I just write her on.